This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Today I'll be talking about something that is actually uh, quite close to my heart. Something that I've thought about a lot, something I've been through at different stages in my walk with the Lord, and that is finding a new church, being connected with a new fellowship for whatever reason, having to leave one church and finding another one. So I want to talk about that today. As I mentioned in my last episode, I received an email from a listener on this topic, and then I thought, well, this is a question that comes up, you know, from time to time, and actually pretty regularly within a congregation. But before I get into this topic of finding a new church, I just want to remind you that if you have any questions or comments, anything you'd like me to talk about, anything you think that I should hear, feel free to send me an email at mike at ancientpaths.faith. The email that I've mentioned in previous episodes will continue to work, but this is the new one going forward, mike at ancientpaths.faith. So, let's talk about this issue of finding a new church. This topic may not apply to you right now, but it may apply to someone that you know. And so, in this case, maybe there's something that'll be helpful to you. I actually think some of the things that I'm going to share apply much more broadly than just uh, finding a new fellowship. So, it may not apply to you, but it may apply to someone that's close to you, or someone that is coming into your church and seeking Is this the place for them? The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, Persevere in your life and your doctrine. And I was thinking in the context of what I'm about to share, I'm going to be teaching about this, and it's a doctrine. I mean, that's what the word doctrine means, is teaching. And we need to persevere in these things. One reason is it's good to think about these kinds of situations before we get into them when we're not trapped in the emotion of it or the sense of urgency that may come with making a change like this. It's good to think ahead about many things so that we have convictions about what is right and what is true so that when we come into the situation, we've already thought about it and we can apply what we've thought about. We can apply our doctrine to the situation. Also, so that we don't respond out of emotion or self-protection when we step into this time of transition. Now, there are, of course, many reasons for finding a new church. It's pretty common in American culture that people move. They'll move from city to city for work or perhaps for school. And recently, a friend of mine who had been at our church a long time had to move to a different state so that she could help with her elderly mother. So there are reasons to move, change location. And when we do, you know, we want to find a a church to attend, and often we're kind of blind because we don't know that city or that place. There are other reasons for moving. There can be a doctrinal reason for leaving a fellowship. That's actually the context of what I'll be talking about when I discuss these emails that we've exchanged with a listener. So if there's a doctrinal difference, there may be a time when we need to leave. Or sin, if there is a sin in the leadership or sin that is embraced by the church, and it's not being called out, and it's actually, in some cases, uh, sin can be taught as acceptable. And that's happened all through history. 
people trying to justify themselves. So those are reasons to leave. Uh, you could move. It could be a doctrinal difference. There could be an issue of sin within the church. And actually, sometimes people are told to leave. Uh, don't remember this quote exactly. I should have written to them that there was a missionary family here in Russia that was attending a church. I think it was here locally in St. Pete. They don't live in St. Pete anymore. They had conflict with the leadership. This is a pretty direct quote of what the leadership said to them when they had a meeting about the issues. They said, we can do either what the Bible says, or we can tell you to leave. And we're telling you to leave. (laughs) That was what they were told. We can work through this the way the scripture says to work through it, or we can just tell you to go. And we're telling you to go. So sometimes people are told to leave. Uh, And then, well, you've got to find a church. I mentioned in previous episodes, let me see what episode this was. Yeah, starting in episodes 29, it's 29, 30, and 31, Peace in Christ in Times of Trouble. That was all prompted when we had some pretty severe disagreements with a fellowship that we'd been attending for quite a while, and they asked us to stop attending the meetings because we couldn't work through the issues. It was heartbreaking. And how to find peace in times of trouble like that, and how to admit our own failings, but also how to recognize the failings of others, and to do that in a loving and gracious way, well, that's what we want. So if you're in a situation like that, go back and listen to episodes 28, 29, and 30. Actually, episode 31 is how to find peace when a brother offends you. And of course, that happens in churches all the time, because we're like family, perhaps even closer than family, and it's really easy to step on each other's toes in those circumstances. So those are reasons to leave. Again, you're moving because of work or needing to be with family or because of a change in school. Like I left my hometown and went to graduate school in Texas. When I got to Texas, I knew one person in Austin. I knew only one person in the entire city, and I needed to find where the Lord was going to put me. I needed to find that church fellowship. Or there can be a doctrinal difference or sin, or we can be asked to leave. There are reasons not to leave a fellowship. And the first on my list right here is problematic relationships. That is not a reason to leave a fellowship. You need to work through that stuff. A lot of what happens in churches today, I think it may be true in most cultures, but certainly in the United States, it seems pretty often that fellowships in the United States have a church growth model that is based on Christians leaving another fellowship because they're having trouble and they want to find a new place to plug in. If you have trouble with relationships, you know, the problematic or things that rub you the wrong way, stick in there. And I'll talk about that in a little bit more in just a second. Another reason not to leave is just because you're unhappy, emotionally not really feeling good there, or the church doesn't fit your style. Those are not really reasons to leave. To be unhappy is an emotional state. That certainly can change. We're called to serve, not be served. Well, pretty often it doesn't matter what a servant feels. They just need to serve. And sometimes that's the very best thing for us is to stick it out and persevere. That's my encouragement to you if you're having some problematic relationships and people are not talking well to one another, relating well. Persevere as much as you can. 
The church that I attend in the United States, St. James, I've mentioned it a few times, there are people that have been attending that fellowship for 60 years, and they're just steady all through the changes in the life of the church. You can imagine over a period of 60 years, 50 years, sometimes the church is alive and full, and there's lots of kids, and there's all kinds of stuff going on, and other times it can be a little bit dry. I don't know. Things like that happen. And I'm really thankful for and I admire people who just stay in it. They persevere through it. They're like the bones of the church. They're solid and they stay. And the Lord may be calling you to be that, even though things are not going the way you'd like them to. Persevere. Stick with it through thick and thin. That said, there are times where we have to go. The scriptures say, as much as it's up to you, live at peace with all men. And there may come a time because of sin or doctrine or harsh disagreements that there's a separation there. I've seen people leave a church because they were going through what sometimes was an extended time of just not fitting in, not feeling enthusiastic. And in several of those cases, the people left, they weren't really leaving because God was calling them to leave. They just felt unsatisfied. And they were so sad when they left. And for years after, I would talk to them and they would look back and say, I don't know what happened. I just feel terrible that that happened. And why did we go? And I'm so sorry we made that decision. I've heard that several times from people. So we need to persevere as much as we can. Another story, I just want to tell a few stories here. I know a Lutheran priest in Norway. His name is Arne. And he uh, pastors a little church way up north, far above the Arctic Circle. His bishop is an atheist. The Lutheran Church is the state church of Norway. And Arne's bishop, his overseer, is a churchman by profession, meaning that's his job. But he's an atheist, and he says he's an atheist. And I talked to Arne about it. I said, why do you stay? And he said, oh, I want to be sure that there's a Christian in the pulpit. And in Norway, since it's a state church, often there are people that are not really following Jesus. They would call themselves Christians. And they'll come through the doors of the church perhaps a few times a year. Baptisms, weddings, funerals, Christmas. And Arne wants to make sure that there's a Christian in the pulpit to speak the gospel when people come in. So in that sense, the church is his mission field. I also talked to a guy. I wish I could remember his name. I just met him in passing when I was in Montenegro. And he is an American, and at the time, this was a few years ago, he was on the worship team of a big happening church in Chicago somewhere. Um, I think that's where it was. He's on the worship team, and the church hired non-Christian musicians to be on the worship team because they're very capable musicians. And, of course, that surprised me. How could a non-believer be led by the Spirit to lead people in worshiping God? But that's the way the church thought about it. But the worship team was smoking and drinking and talking about their party lifestyle, you know. And I asked him also, I said, my goodness, why are you there? And he said, oh, they need a believer with them. I thought, well, isn't that something? Uh, This man, he doesn't fit into the church at all, but God's called him to stay there as a missionary, to reach out to these lost worship leaders. It's really remarkable. My church in Austin, Texas, many years ago, thought it would be a fun idea to have a motto. 
a Latin motto. And one of the ladies that attended the church taught Latin, and so we asked her, let's come up with a, a Latin motto, you know, just a fun thing to do. And this was the motto of the church, est populus non idificium. How about that? Est populus non idificium. And that means it's people, not buildings. What is the church? This is a question. What is the church? Well, est populus non idificium. It's people, not buildings. We can say, oh, I really would like to get them to church. And often you mean get them in the doors of a building. But the church is the people. The church is the people of God. It's actually the family of God. It's the body of Christ. We've been adopted into his family. We're being set as living stones. We need to remember that. You could say a church is not the church. A church building is not the church. There was a pastor in Austin, Texas, who said there's only one church in the city. There are multiple gatherings of that church. And you could actually say there's only one church in the world. Christ is the head of that church, and the church is all of the people who are followers of Jesus. And they meet in different places at different times, and they worship in different ways. But there's one church, and Christ is the head of his church. All right, so with all of that said, I just want to get into the email exchange that I had. I've edited this for clarity, and I've removed a few things so that it doesn't really give away exactly who this is. We don't know the specific situation, because really what she is going through is something that's pretty common to a lot of people, and it doesn't matter exactly what her specifics are. So, she starts her email by mentioning episode number 112, Persevere in the Faith. And in that episode, I talked about trouble in churches over questions of authority of Scripture, the definition of what is sinful, and church leaders who just continue to persist in disobedience. And I mentioned that. And that struck a chord in her because she's attending a church. It's part of a denomination that is going through a schism. It's breaking apart. She wrote, I feel at a loss and left behind by our local church. I don't know where to consider other churches as others seem to be or have adopted similar changes. Or honestly, around here, they've staked out political sides. And then in parentheses, she says, it's the fervor and the idolatry of these political views more than which political side. So she writes, maybe I'm being too harsh, but I don't know what to do. She asks, are there any denominations that are staying true to Scripture? How can one tell if some non-denominational ones are on the right path? So that was the question that she asked me. She's feeling at a loss and left behind by her local church, and that's heartbreaking. That's really sad. She's been attending there for years, and now she realizes that she doesn't have that unity. And it's a loss. And she doesn't know where to consider other churches or which ones are going on that same path. And then she mentions this issue of politics getting into the church. And I'll touch on that in just a second in my reply to her. And I appreciate what she said. It's the fervor and the idolatry of taking hard political views in a church, which is more bothersome than which political side it is. And I can understand that because I know people 
that on, by the American scale are pretty far over on the left and some that are pretty far over on the right. And they're sure, sure that they're right. And I know that these people do want to follow Jesus, and yet they would break fellowship over uh, some political views. It's heartbreaking, and there are differences for sure. Well, anyway, my response to her, um, I'll just read it to you. Yes, I was referring to your denomination in that episode, and it's terribly sad that this denomination is so divided. I think of what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. Here's what Paul said. I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. Then I, continuing with what my response to her was, divisions have been happening in churches since the very beginning of the church. It's not a surprise, but it's really sad and painful. Yes, it is. It's heartbreaking, and it's sad. A friend of mine was talking to another believer. They were having a meal. They were sitting across a table from one another. And my friend started talking about the state of the church in America and kind of saying all the bad things that were happening and pointing out faults in different churches. And the man across from him started weeping, just weeping, because his heart is for the church. And it is terribly sad that the church is so divided, that there's so much trouble, so much failure and weakness and sin, self-justification. It's heartbreaking. It's really sad. And my friend, who was not weeping, but was just complaining about the church, he was shocked and then humbled because he said, here I was saying bad things about the bride of Christ. And that story has stuck with me. I realize my heart doesn't break that way. I don't weep But, you know, it it really is horrible. It's really sad that there's so much division in the church. And yet Paul says, I hear there are divisions, but yeah, no doubt there are, because that would show which of you have God's approval. Okay, continuing in my response to her, I understand your feelings of being at a loss and left behind by the church. I think this denomination will continue along that path that it's on now. This has been the trajectory for several years. The bishops of the church will not be removed from their positions of authority, and we can clearly see their priorities. She was hoping that somehow the church might confess its sin and recognize that it was moving off away from the truth of God. Okay, continuing with my response. There comes a time when fellowship is broken, and that is a death of sorts. It hurts. I also share your concerns about worldly politics being deeply ingrained in a local fellowship. Among Jesus' twelve disciples were a zealot, which was an anti-Roman freedom fighter, and a tax collector, which was a Jew that was employed by Rome. So, yeah, let's remember that among the twelve disciples, there was one who was anti-Roman and one who was pro-Roman, employed by Rome. This just shows me that the Lord transcends politics. Continuing on, and this is the heart of my response to her. I have a few personal guiding principles that may be helpful. I'll stop after that sentence. Sometimes when people ask our advice, rather than advising them in a specific direction, it's good to consider what are the principles that would help this person process through the decisions that they're making or the circumstance that they're going through. 
that's something that I pray about when somebody writes an email like this. I'll ask, Lord, is there something specific I should share, or should I talk about general guiding principles? Continuing with my response, first, as I've mentioned in the podcast a few times, I am guided by the understanding that we are living stones. That's found in 1 Peter 2.5. The Lord will place us where he wants us. So, when Olga and I have been in a time of transition between local churches, and a few years ago here in Russia, we had to change churches, we look for where the Lord is placing us. We're not church shopping, but we are discerning where the Lord wants to set us. It's good to visit other churches if our attitude is one of discernment rather than one of consumerism. Well, that speaks for itself, and it's on a theme that I've talked about quite a bit in the podcast. The Lord wants us actively discerning His will so that ultimately the only decision we have to make is obedience or disobedience. We discern His will, and then we choose obedience. Okay, continuing with my reply, another guiding principle is whether or not the church is committed to teaching and submitting to God's Word. Some churches are more focused on social life and feel-good sermons. We look for churches that are serious about making disciples and going deep into the things of God. And there are, sadly, a lot of shallow churches in the USA. I think I may have told this story before. Uh, Some friends of ours who are missionaries overseas were back home, I think it was in the Atlanta area, visiting a big church there, and they attended a small group everybody sitting in a circle, the way it was described to me. And one of the ladies in the meeting, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, one of the ladies in the meeting just opened her soul up, just poured out her heart, the trouble she was going through, the difficulties. She was just raw emotionally and spiritually and just laid it all out in front of everybody. When she was done, there was silence in the room. You know, nobody really knew exactly how to respond. And then one of the ladies in the meeting there uh, snapped her fingers and said, you go, girl. And that was her advice to help somebody who's raw and sad. And my friends call, sadly, these shallow churches, they call them the you go, girl churches. You go, girl. There are a lot of churches that don't really know how to address deep things. I've attended churches where The sermons are all just feel good. They make you feel good, but they don't go deep and they don't address some of the harder things that Christians face. Then I replied to my friend, many of the former churches of this denomination are joining a new denomination. You might find one of those churches in your area and see if that's the Lord's place for you. To look and see, where is the Lord placing you? Yeah, continuing on in my reply, we sense that the Lord has set us in St. James. That's when we're in the United States. However, when we're not in Athens, Georgia, we tend toward non-denominational Bible churches. Though it's difficult to know which churches are true to Scripture without visiting and talking with the leadership, looking at a website might be helpful to see their statement of faith and what their ministries are, but you'll want to have some personal experience of the life of the church. So I think that's important. It's not church shopping to see where we feel good. It's going and connecting with the life of the church in whatever way you can to see if this is the place that God is setting you, to discern the will of God. 
Another thing that I mentioned to her, I say, now that I'm older, I see how the Lord uses me as an elder, in quotes, though I'm not officially an elder in a church. The Lord might place you in a younger church because the younger believers need older believers to be steady and strong. You could be God's blessing to a younger group of people. The Lord has set me in churches that I wouldn't choose for myself. For instance, the style of worship might not be my preference, but the spiritual life is wonderful. It's abundant. A friend said, and I've said this on the podcast often, church is not a place we go to gratify ourselves. It's a place we go to die to ourselves. So those are the general guidelines that I mentioned to this listener. Uh, Just to be discerning about what God is saying. He sets us together like living stones to go and visit, get a feel for the life of the church, see if God is setting us there, and realize he might put us in a place where we don't feel like we really fit in, but that's exactly where he wants us to be, because that body needs somebody like us. Well, she replied, You have described very well the focus on social life more than spiritual life in the church here. Um, She continues, I've helped in the children's Sunday school where in October the volunteer teacher was told not to come back and not to teach any longer because there was a personality clash with the children's minister. But she, this uh, Sunday school teacher, actually taught a lesson. I have watched these children's Sunday school classes devolve into child care with just a lot of playtime and no lesson or maybe a four-minute mention of a lesson. But the primary focus, she says, is to keep the kids happy and playing. She says that her 10-year-old daughter is in an older Sunday school class and they still teach a Bible-based lesson and they love on them. Well, I've talked about this too. Some churches think you just need to keep the young people entertained, that that's the focus and the purpose of children's ministry to keep children happy, entertained, playing along, so that they have a positive experience, I guess, of being in a church. But that doesn't help them when they get out and perhaps go to university where they're surrounded by a lot of non-Christians. And what they've been taught is it's important that they feel happy and that they enjoy what they're playing at because they'll just get off into the world that way. My wife is very actively involved right now in the youth ministry, to teenagers in our church. And she goes deep. She is teaching serious things to these young people. And she does that because she received that when she was 14, 15 years old. The missionaries that came in to Russia and were teaching seriously the things of God, how to submit to God. She went to a Bible school when she was, I guess, 15, 16, something like that. Really studying the word, laying a strong foundation so that when the storms came, She knew what was true. She knew how to process through the difficult things in life. Well, just to wrap things up here, I wanted to talk about this because it's pretty common for people to move around and find a new church or need to find a new place to plug in. I was very glad that the listener wrote to me about this because I've thought about it quite a bit, actually. I travel a lot. I visit lots of different fellowships. They look very different based on the culture where they're planted. And yet, the Spirit of God is the thing that is in common. That's what I want to look for, is spiritual unity. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
And then a little bit later in chapter 4, he says that God gives gifted people to the church to help the people do the work of the church so that they grow up into the unity of the faith. Well, one thing that I get from that is we can have spiritual unity and then grow up into, I guess you'd say, doctrinal unity. There's a spiritual unity, and then you grow up into a unity in the faith. So that's what I'm trying to do when I go into a new place or I'm connecting with a new church. I'm trying to be, well, I'm purposefully being spiritually discerning, to discern where God is putting us, how the connections are being made. Are these relationships that the Lord wants me to commit myself to? Well, of course, we're all imperfect. We don't do things perfectly, but our God is a redeemer. And if we make a mistake in our actions, but we're still hard after him and really wanting to live by the Spirit, well, he can correct that. He can redeem that. We just need to continue to stay humble and trust that he's able to speak clearly when we continue to ask for his will. So to sum it up, it is very sad that the church of God is so broken and has so many problems. And God is actively continuing to purify his church. And there are divisions, and there have been divisions since the beginning. And yet, as hard as that is, as sad as it is, as much as that's a death that happens when churches are divided, it happens because that's a sign of who is actually following the Lord and who's going to be just walking in their own will or following the ways of the world around them. My guiding principles, 1 Peter 2.5, the Lord sets us together like living stones. If you aren't sure that you are exactly where the Lord wants you as a living stone, I encourage you, stay put and pray and ask him, Lord, I started attending this church, but I didn't think about it very much. Is this where you want me? How do you want me to function while I'm here? Give me ears to hear if you're calling me somewhere else. But don't just run off and start looking around again. Stay where you are, because I believe the Lord works in all kinds of ways and leads us where he wants us to be. Sometimes, even if we're not aware, that he is actually leading us into those places. Look for fellowships or look for people within a fellowship that are really teaching and submitting to God's word. Try to avoid the churches where they're just focused on social life and entertainment, feel-good sermons. Look for churches that are serious about making disciples and going deep. And realize that the Lord might put you in a place where you don't really feel like you fit in exactly. And in my case, I'm an older guy, there are these different styles of worship, different structures of meetings, things that are different than I would do, and yet that's where the Lord wants me, is right in the middle of those places. So the Lord may set you in a church that you wouldn't choose for yourself. But again, church is not a place we go to gratify ourselves, it's a place we go to die to ourselves. When I was the administrator of a little church in Austin, I got a call from a lady, and she said that she was, I believe the term was, a rock wall Presbyterian. The rock wall Presbyterians are the descendants of a group of Presbyterians that were kicked out of their church buildings. And they continued to meet as churches, but they had no building. But the weather was so bad in Scotland, they would just huddle up behind the stone walls that 
lined around the fields. So when the wind is blowing or the snow is blowing or whatever, they would be huddled up against the rock wall having church. Boy, that was a really great example to me. doesn't matter if there's a building or not. Certainly for the first couple hundred years, maybe, of the church, there just weren't Christian church buildings because to be a Christian was illegal under the Romans. Let's remember that church is not a building, it's people. Est populus non edificium. Well, my friends, I'll close it down for now. I do hope that things that I've shared have been an encouragement to you and that in some way it will be an encouragement to people that you talk to as we die to ourselves and surrender ourselves to the will of God, living a life of discernment and not a life of choosing our own path. To God alone be the glory, and may we all submit to he who is the head of his church. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all.